0: This is the Yanks Go Yard
1: podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into the Yanks Go Yard podcast on this beautiful Monday. The only podcast that gets you Bronx bombed on a Monday afternoon. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. We appreciate you joining us. The Yankees, they're the worst. They're one of the worst teams. They don't hit. They don't play well. They also just took a three-game series from the AL West leading dominant offense, Texas Rangers. Nobody hits like the Rangers in 2023. They hit like the 1936 Yankees. They're putting up murderers row numbers. And the Yankees just beat them two out of three. And the only starting pitcher who couldn't really hold them down was Garrett Cole, who gave up nine hits in four two-thirds innings. They still won that baseball game. Luis Severino got him. Pretty weird. Pretty weird that Luis Severino got him. Clark Schmidt got him. Clark Schmidt's pretty good lately. We're going to talk about Clark Schmidt. The Yankees literally never win when he starts, which is a problem. Spoiler alert. But Clark Schmidt's been very good lately. Um, And we believe in him, uh, I guess, a little bit. But weekend, big takeaways from the weekend, like we're not sure, like, do I, hey, I'm like, I'm sort of in a vortex here. Do I focus on the fact that they kind of saved their season? By beating the Texas Rangers two out of three, and they had maybe the most exciting singular game of the year yesterday? Or do I focus on the fact that the team lied about Aaron Judge again, and then there's no timetable for his recovery, and that there's, like, no way to even parse it? Like, well, it was kind of a lie. It was a little bit of a fudge, truth cover-up. But no, I mean, they lied. They they lied about Aaron Judge. They said he had an injury. He had a different injury. They they said he had, had a couple injuries, actually. Like one damaged ligament, then they said actually there was a second one, and he was like, I tore it in half. So, like, huh, where where's my focus go? Um, or maybe we focus on Josh Donaldson. The fact that he got benched for the entire weekend. And then they took a series from the best team in the ALS. I don't know, that's pretty interesting. Or maybe we focus on Billy McKinney. Every time I tweet something about, like, ah, Billy McKinney versus Aaron Hicks, like, are we sure Yankees really made out with the raw deal here? Maybe the Orioles just got better and let the Yankees get better, too. I I, I always tweet something like that, and I worry, well, then McKinney's going to start struggling as soon as I tweet that. But you know what? Not really. one nothing win on Saturday thanks exclusively to him going yard. Uh, And the Yankees do go yard sometimes, not often enough. Uh, We'll talk about all those things and more. You can find us live on YouTube now. Thanks for joining us. Also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me as always with a betting offer, as long as you're in a legal betting state, Thomas Carinante, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, everybody. What's up, Adam? Um, I want to talk to all Yankee fans here. Also, I don't know if the haters are not tuning in today. So um, I'll address this one just to Yankees fans. Um, We have an offer from Caesar Sportsbook. You're not going to want to miss this one especially if you are signing up for the first time on this app or this website, please be sure to use this. New customers on Caesars get their first bet covered by Caesars up to $1,250. All you have to do is use the code YGYFULL at sign-up. If you sign up using that code, again, it's YGYFULL, You will not only have your first bet fully insured, but you will be directly supporting the podcast. And you like us, especially on Mondays. You guys definitely like us on Mondays. So if you haven't signed up for Caesar Sportsbook, head on over there, join with our code YGYFULL, and drop that first bet. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please, please, please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Um... Would have been interesting if you uh, did that max bet on any of these Yankee games um, over this weekend because you had Saturday a 1-0 win for the Yankees, which was bizarre. I followed that one on my phone because I was away for the weekend. Um, and then you have the eighth inning comeback yesterday um, and Friday's Friday's loss was as infuri- infuriating as it gets. Um and yeah, it's weird. I feel like we're not even going to be talking about the series win today. I feel like we're just going to be talking about other stuff because this is Did how it works.
1: You, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what? What do you want to have fun or not? We can have fun a little bit with the series win sure.
2: first. Like
1: I, yeah. you might as well. I, I, I didn't know you were legally allowed to win a one nothing game against this team, Texas. I don't know if the Yankees were allowed to win a one nothing game ever. Um, first and second, nobody out in the eighth and ninth for Texas. Uh, They can't get it done uh, against the Yankees bullpen that everybody keeps saying it has the best bullpen ERA in baseball, and that's true. But then you watch Michael King blow several games in a row over that one week span against the White Sox and Red Sox, and you're like, okay, so who cares? Like, (laughs) who cares how good the ERA is if you're going to blow every small lead you bring into the eighth inning? But they hold on tight for dear life on on Saturday, and, and I was also away for the weekend. I was on a ranch. Uh, watching my friends get married love them very much but no service on that ranch and so i went on to the ranch at like 2 p.m. pacific a little later than that and it was 1 nothing in the bottom of the 6th when i got off that ranch past midnight The app loaded and I was like, You gotta be kidding me. There's no, like, it must have loaded. You know that thing when the MLB app loads outdated data sometimes and it's telling you that it's like one nothing in the sixth. And you're like, No, no, I don't, I don't give a shit. That was hours ago. What's the final score? And then I saw that it was final and I was like, That, that just can't be. Like, I, I assume they were either gonna win three two or lose four one. There was no in between. Some of them win that game one nothing. Um, was it really Severino's best start of the year? I mean, did kind of look like Texas was swinging and missing some pitches over the heart of the plate. I preferred his start against San Diego, even though yeah. the lot might not add up quite so the stuff just popped more. Um, it is what it is, but I'm not going to quibble with six shutout innings against the mm-hmm. Texas Tigers. Uh Again, this team is bludgeoning people and Clark Schmidt and Severino held them down. And then they managed to piece stuff together against Garrett Cole, but Jimmy Cordero and Nick Ramirez and even Cole himself There's a runner on third with one out already down three, nothing. He wriggled out of that. They did a fantastic job keeping it close yesterday. Just one more in play runs at any point from the Texas Rangers. And they lose that game. There are a million two out rallies. Yankees didn't surrender a run in any of those. It allowed Harrison Bader to get the big hit. Although you got to, you had a moment of what's the opposite of a moment of Zen when it was first and second, no outs after the Volpe double and the Trevino infield single. Realize Volpe didn't go to third and then Glaber Torres did not advance the runners or score anybody like you definitely had a moment where you're like well that's that right like we're not gonna there's nothing to be done here uh but Harrison Bader comes up huge Giancarlo Stanton who you said this was his worst game uh, of his career potentially if not for this run scoring single comes up big and then so does Michael King I agree with you on Stanton that was uh he when he looks bad he looks horrendous that's the worst he's looked in a single game capsule until he got the second biggest hit of the game.
2: Yeah. And hopefully that's the start of something, but you have those strikeouts and it's just like, dude, what are we doing? He's he has one, he has that swinging miss where it was, it was kind of almost, um, a spitting image of the way that he injured himself last year when he swung and messed up his Achilles. Cause he was mm-hmm. falling over swinging in the others, other batter's box, um, stairs at stares at pitches in the strike zone. Um, I don't know what's going on here. Um, I will say, look, I'm happy with that Luis Severino got a little bounce-back performance. I'm happy Clark Schmidt's recent run of form um, is getting him back on track. Uh, I particularly owe him an apology um, for all the trash-talking I did earlier in the year. Um, He's got his ERA down to 4.32 in 16 starts. That's good for someone who is a fifth starter, in my opinion. Yeah, he
1: got the FIP into 3.80 at the end of last month, uh, which we didn't even notice because – I think we're all starting to come around on Clark Schmidt. We'll give him his flowers later. yeah but yeah, that the all of the numbers are now looking like pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish Fangrass would let me do monthly lefty righty breakdown. it I can't get anything other than here's what the whole season's lefty righty breakdown was. And it's still terrible. But I would love to know, like, hey, he's again lefties' out. I mean, he must be getting lefties' out a little bit more efficiently than he was yeah. at some point. The OPS is down to. 908 rather than you know 1.135 or whatever it is mm-hmm. but it all positive signs for him so far
2: yeah and the rangers famously have a good mix of lefties and righties and they have a lot of they have you know the Corey Seeger's in that lineup um nathaniel lowe's in that lineup um jonah heim who's having a great year is in that lineup all those guys hit all those guys are lefties um so yeah props there um but again, there's just a lot of things to be sick of. I am sick of watching Wani e. Peralta at this point. Uh, Michael King on Friday night—that was—I was almost about to go on a tweet storm rage and say, you know, we have massively overrated Michael King because he's had a combined what you would maybe consider one full good season as a relief pitcher, seventy games, sixty something games. Um, over the last two, you know, two-ish years. Um, and then when the Yankees need him most, disappears, just like all the other leading candidates. Um, another frustrating thing is, you know, you talk – we'll talk Hal Steinbrenner's comments. We should talk about that in a little while because I think oh, that yeah. was perhaps a little bit overblown. I think, look, there's there's reasons to be mad at, at everybody, but there it is not a coincidence. It is not a coincidence whatsoever that Giancarlo Stanton, DJ LeMayhew, Anthony Rizzo, and Josh Donaldson – are all enduring career-worst slumps at the same time. This does not happen. This means something is wrong. This means some someone is doing their job wrong. Um, and you saw a lot more of it over this weekend. Um, still guys mostly not coming through. Um, and it, it's particularly frustrating when they didn't exactly face a gauntlet of pitchers. Um, Who was it? John Gray on Saturday... Eovaldi yesterday usually kicks our ass. Yeah. Um, Dane Dunning,
1: bad? yeah, Dane, Dane Dunning. Dunning
2: on flight. like, come on, guys, like this is not you didn't you did not just go through you know three aces here. You went through through you went through three solid pitchers, I would say, and in theory, this lineup, this Yankees lineup, still has a handful of all star players in it, um, and it still shouldn't be this bad, and it is continually is. I don't understand why I'm happy. I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. DJ LeMay, who got that. Um, two run double that saved the Yankees, um, but still not enough. You know, he's, he's dealing with a mechanical issue in a swing. I don't know. I don't know how at this juncture in your career, you're dealing with this big of a mechanical issue in your swing that is leading to you to produce the career worst, uh, career worst numbers. But we got, you know, we talked about Dylan Lawson last week and only we only had one podcast last week. So we had, you know, we skipped over that loss to the Mariners, which was one of the most embarrassing games you'll ever watch on uh, on in any league on any stage between the bats between the defense between the pitching so uh, there there's you have this series win where it seemingly turns the tides but in reality it's just kind of taking the spotlight off of every other awful aspect of this team just for a short period of time until it inevitably happens again on maybe tuesday wednesday or thursday and then we're back in the same conversation There's just this deeply strange thing happening, too, where I I don't think –
1: and I got some negative feedback for saying that of of Cashman, Boone, and Lawson, Boone should be on the hot seat the least. I wrote that in an article this weekend. I just feel like if you don't think – if you don't know at this point how much Cashman controls, then you're being willfully ignorant. Like, if you think there's something sloppy going on in the Yankees, the way they handle injuries and the way they handle playing time and and the way everybody's regressing – if you think that's just all on Boone's shoulders and not on the people pulling the strings who tell him yeah. what to do, then I don't know what to tell you. There are also some physical and mental lapses that I like. As much as I want to blame Aaron Boone for Glaber Torres getting caught 120 feet off the base on popouts to second and fly balls to Teoscar Hernandez, twice. I would love. I would love to blame Aaron Boone and I'm going to blame him maybe for not showing, you know, you got to discipline Glaber Torres in that scenario. So I'll blame Aaron Boone for that. But how much, how many times can you tell Glaber Torres, Hey, don't start sprinting around the bases on pop-ups. Like how many times can you tell him that? What more is there for Aaron Boone to say that's on the player as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And so I'm tempted when I see the Aggies have just a slop fest, like that game against Seattle. And you know, it can always rear its ugly head where you're like, Professional baseball cannot get worse than this. You are always tempted to blame Aaron Boone. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, Aaron Boone's not a problem. And there isn't somebody who could get this team playing in a more consistent clip. But when you see just the the wheels fall off in a one game sample, I'm hesitant to believe that Aaron Boone can really do something. And when everybody screams about Boone saying, Josh Donaldson's going to play a lot, like Angelo in the comments here. That's just what Aaron Boone does. He just said stuff yeah. like that. He pumps up his guys. I, I didn't glean any information from that. Um, I think it's way more important that Donaldson didn't play during this three game series than yeah. it is that he, Aaron Boone said he's going to play a lot. He's important because Brian Cashman just said he needs a big, long runway. And then they were like two days later, like, Hey, eh, your runway cut off. Sorry, buddy. So I don't really, th- th- that's just word salad to me. Um, but, you, I mean, you're right. There, there are games, <laughs> just when you're feeling good, That's I can't call this a season-changing series win over Texas. I can just call it, uh, it's a season-saving series win in the fact that the season is, literally could have gone off the rails. They could have fallen out of playoff contention and fallen closer to 500 if they hadn't done it. It has sustained the season for now. Uh, but every couple of games, you're feeling good about yourself after those two wins over Seattle. You're like, man, they could have really taken their foot off the gas pedal here. Garrett Cole dominates them. Uh, Johnny Brito dominates them. Volpe homers. And you're like, I mean, I think we're going to beat Brian Wu with Domingo Herman tomorrow. And then Herman puts up the worst start you've ever seen from him. Worse than the Red Sox game. Uh, Brian Wu takes a no hitter into the sixth. And guys dropping balls, choppers, pop-ups getting caught off just there absolutely nothing goes right the mariners hit i believe one two thir- 35 home runs in that game like every couple of days there's the worst game you've ever seen waiting to rear its ugly head and uh i don't think i have like a grand sweeping conclusion i think this team's just like uh not that good so yeah. like when i see some some other fan bases are very like their team centered where they're like i don't get it why can't we be i mean we we're joking about this Red Sox fans, why can't we beat bad teams? It's like, you guys are just kind of, kind of bad too. Like uh, uh, sometimes fan bases get caught up in like, why can't we beat bad teams? We're so inconsistent. It's like the Red Sox are kind of like a 500 E team. Like those, those teams play inconsistent baseball. And so when I'm tempted to be like, why are the Yankees putting up this sloppy game every couple of days? It's like, maybe they're just like kind of a sloppy, not that good team. Maybe they're just like, okay. And that's what happens yeah. to teams that are just okay. Every couple of days.
2: Yeah, I I would agree with you on Boone because you look back to 2018 and 2019, and um, you know we always argue: Does Aaron Boone make your team better? No. Does he make your team worse? Probably not. There's not. Uh, you know, like he, yeah, he's every manager makes mistakes. Every manager has their bullpen gaffs. Every manager you know, has favoritism over certain guys because of contract situations or what the GM is saying, or, you know, the messaging is particularly bad, which I think is mainly the case with Aaron Boone. He didn't really have a whole lot of disciplinary issues to go through in 2018 and 2019 when they're winning 100 and 103 games. And And during a playoff game, like, is he going to get outmanaged by a genius manager? Maybe, but does Brian
1: Cashman set him up for success there? Like, how much does he get to dictate during a season? So that when it gets... When it gets a nut cut in time, how much is he? How much experience does he have? Not mm-hmm. much.
2: Yeah, and it's you know that's the toughest thing to assess. The one thing I will dis, you know say that I think brings validity to the Boone conversation is that he does not discipline anybody. This is the first time we've seen legitimate discipline with Josh Donaldson, and I don't even think it's discipline. It's just reached a boiling point. Josh Donaldson cannot hit the ball, and then you have Boone going up to the podium. You know, talking about how good his defense is, and then he makes that error in, at Fenway that extends the inning and causes the wheels to fall off. And then he looks like a complete fool in that game against the Mariners when he made two errors on one play. I mean, partially you could put that on Domingo Herman, but he also threw it seven hundred miles an hour at Domingo Herman's head when he's running the third base. So, like the third baseman probably needs to do better than that. Um, it's reached a point where Donaldson it's it's reaching a Hicks point where. Boone is left saying, well, am I going to trot this guy out just to continually get booed regardless of what he's doing? Um, so him benching Donaldson, I think, has been more of a default than it actually is him acting instinctually as a manager saying, you know what, I'm sick of this. Because you're right, at this point, Gleyber Torres should have been benched four, five, six times this season based on defensive lapses, based on these base running lapses now that have happened twice in the same week where he just decides to take off. Um and uh, that's really where my issue lies with Boone. He's, well, it seems like he's a little bit too much of a player's man- manager, but then you go back and you think, okay, well, is the front office saying, Hey, you can't bench Glaber today. Sorry. Actually, you can't bench DJ today. Sorry. You can't bench Donaldson today. Figure it out. So, And then what and then what recourse does Boone have? He goes to the media, they ask him questions and he's like, you know, we're we're turning the page. These guys are grinding. Here it is. You know, everything's going to be okay because he has nothing. He has no choice but to say that. Um, So, you know, the problems with these always start from the top. Um, And I guess if we want to start from the top, we could go we could dive into how for a minute. And I think that'll take us nicely to where we got to get to here. Feels good. Feels good to me. Go for it. I was not that mad when Hal talked last week. Everyone freaked out because he said he wasn't sure why fans were this enraged. In the th- He spoke on June 21st. The Yankees were seven games above 500. And you have to admit at some point, the team is actually performing decently for all of the issues they've dealt with this year. Probably so, overperforming. Think of how many people yeah. you hate. Think of how yeah. many people we
1: didn't draft last week yeah. in the keep them draft. Yep. These players aren't very good and they are in the thick of it.
2: Yeah. So in my opinion, and I could be wrong and feel free to tell me that I'm wrong. How Steinbrenner was looking at this point in time. We are 40 and 43. We don't have Aaron judge. We're missing three fifths of the starting rotation. The bullpens a revolving door, you know, of injuries And we're still managing to replicate production there. Our outfield is a disaster. And we have the seventh best record in baseball. Like, I understand why fans might be frustrated at, you know, maybe at times the lackluster play or maybe the slumping from the veterans who were supposed to be coming up big when Aaron Judge is out. But like, overall, we're in a good spot. People were mad because they're like, well, you are not looking at the big picture? Well, he wasn't really asked about the big picture. He was asked about why fans are mad on June 21st. He's not going to say, oh, well, you know, I understand why fans are mad. You know, Brian Cashman kind of constructed this roster a little bit wobbly. Um, uh, I would say Aaron Boone's not the most uh, 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 um, confident manager in the world, especially when you're looking at him from a fan perspective. Um, And, uh, yeah, we've made a lot of bad money decisions over the last couple of years that have seemingly hamstrung us us and left us to create these uh, bit of financial um, restrictions that have kept us from maybe getting the players that you may have wanted. He's not thinking like that. If he was asked that question, I think if he said, I don't know why fans are mad, then that would have given us a bit of a reason to actually be pissed off. Looking at the grand scheme of things, where the Yankees are at this point, where they are hopefully going to get when they're fully healthy. That's kind of the lens that he was looking through, which I I can't blame him for because he was asked a question point blank. And he answered the question point blank. He also said he sympathized with people being upset because the players need to hit the players need to perform. And, you know, some of them are not meeting expectations and he fully acknowledged that. Um, I am just kind of done with just being outraged at every turn. It um, doesn't matter who says what Yankee fans will be mad. Um, and I understand why that has slowly become the case because you have the medical staff lying Or you have the medical staff not doing their job, and then Aaron Boone is forced to lie, and then Brian Cashman is popping up every so often to talk to the media with the most uninspiring quotes ever. So I do understand, but um, I think when you have a moment like that when the owner who's not privy to every personnel – because Hal Steinbrenner is not privy to every personnel decision. No owner is sitting there in the front office asking the GM what they're going to do next, maybe a handful. Hal Steinbrenner is certainly not doing that. so, you know, that's more of a question, I think, for the GM to field to, you know, hey, the fans are upset. Can you, can you maybe guess why How Steinbrenner is not going to look back and be like, oh, well, you know, a couple of the moves Cashman made, I can understand why, you know, people aren't happy with he, I don't think he has, I don't think he's that in the know and he doesn't have that in in-depth knowledge of the team. And if you think that that's bad ownership, then I n- wouldn't necessarily disagree with you, but owners have a lot of other things to do than focus on the day-to-day. That's why they hire people to do this. Um, So I think the fact that the conversation eventually turned into, hey, Hal, here's why we're mad on June 21st. It's because the roster was constructed poorly. We're dealing with more and more injuries as a result of, I don't know what. We've acquired older players, and that has put us in this precarious position. We continually have the worst medical staff. We continually don't handle the injuries properly as an organization. Um, the messaging from the manager to the media is bad. The messaging from the GM to the to the uh, media is bad. So, like, that's why we're angry. Maybe he got that messaging, and hopefully he's ready for his next presser where there are relative questions asked about that. But, yeah, I, I wasn't mad at the face value answer. You know, the, the question was the question. He answered the question. I didn't think it was anything crazy. Everyone just took that little snippet and ran with it. Um, which I'm I'm just – I'm done with. I'm not defending Hal Steinbrenner. He's infuriating in an entirely different way, but I think we just have to get a grasp of the situation.
1: Yeah, it's tough because, like, the only stuff I really want to hear is still, like, fan service stuff that makes me a sheep. It'd be nice to hear him say, like, we are dedicated to a pursuit of a championship here. So I'm not upset with what I'm seeing so far, but I understand why fans would be angry. Yeah. Um And I invite you to stay the course. Like if I'm managing Hal Steinmetter's PR, I'm just saying like, hey, maybe throw in some boilerplate stuff there about how, you know, you don't think this team is is, you know, rounding into form yet. And your goal is still to be a winner. And at the end of the year, we'll evaluate how everybody did in that respect. The stuff that made me matter was when he was like, unless we miss the playoffs, you know, Cashman safe, Boone safe. And it's like, of course, that's true. But it'd be great if it wasn't true. It'd be great if we didn't just treat every playoff opportunity like a big old win. And, and they're gonna—we know how they operate at the trade deadline. Oh, we're getting all these injured guys back, and we know how they operate in the postseason press conference. Ah, we had a tough year offensively, but we missed Aaron Judge, uh, you know, for a large chunk of that. And that's just—you know—not that's not enough. That's not an excuse. It, we, we've talked about this before. Judge is so important; he can't be Damian Lillard right he obviously the team is better with aaron judge but it can't be like ah you lost your point guard so now you're a lottery team like there need to be other people in this offense who hit too it can't all just be like oof thank god aaron judge hit two three run homers. we won six five like there there needs to be some life here so i would have preferred just a little bit of fan service some pr stuff saying you know I think we're. I think there's a lot of runway left, and I feel good about the progress we still have left to make. But yes, I understand why fans are upset. It's Supposed to be a championship caliber outfit, and it's not right now. And I'll, you know, address it as such. But the bottom line is, we are in a better position than we could be. This team could be well under 500. This team could be the Mets. Instead, they are in the wild card race. So nobody spent more than Steve Cohen. Uh, Hal timer just spent a good deal could have been spent more efficiently the Mets spent so much money to be so average they tied eighty million dollars up in two starting pitches who are both pressing forty and uh there's not interest there's not a lot going on there so uh could certainly be worse for the New York Yankees but that said, Aaron judge, how hurt is this man uh, apparently quite apparently very um we, uh, this, I mean, my number one issue with the Yankees is always going to be the way they handle injuries. They handle injuries as if they think their fans are children. Uh, yeah. and maybe they're right because <laughs> based on the way that social media behaves and every lineup that comes out is all right, now DFA stin. Okay. Now DFA DJ, like you guys were just begging to extend DJ two years ago. Do you have any idea what you want? Or you just want to, you know, every time you get poked in the arm, are you going to cry? Like you just touched a hot stove. I don't know. So maybe the Yankees, guard their injury updates the way that they do, because they know that their fans really are going to react like spoiled toddlers every time they're given a piece of information. But the way they do this is embarrassing. It's infantilizing. Yeah. Um I spend a whole Sunday three weeks ago trying to learn if Aaron judge broke his toe, trying to figure out, well, okay, if he broke it and it's just a fracture, then it will heal when it heals. Maybe he'll be back in three or four weeks. But if it's the weird sesamoid fracture that DJ had, he might need surgery, might be horrible. I'm girding myself for all that information. And then they're like, not a fracture, actually, just a sprain, kind of a weird injury, could be turf toe, but, you know, might be back in three weeks, might be back in four. And I'm like, okay, sprain sounds better than uh, than fracture. Good. Glad. We, we got a timetable. But then we don't. They don't want to give him a timetable. Okay, fine. They gave him another injection. We learn weeks later that there's a second ligament that's injured. And that's the first lie. Lie number one, Mm -hmm. not just one sprain, but it's two. And they say he's feeling better. He's got better range of motion. The swelling is finally subsiding. And we're like, okay, great. You wrote about this as a positive injury update. I was happy. Like two days ago. And yet on Saturday, Aaron Judge is like, yeah, I mean, I don't really want to give a timetable because – you know, it's not an ACL, it's not a quad, it's a weird injury. I tore a ligament in my toe. I mean, we're gonna have to get to the bottom of this. And everyone's like, yeah, tore a what in your what? You you what a ligament in your toe? Are you fucking kidding me? Like that that just wasn't even a part of it. And I know that a sprain is a small tear, etc. Yeah. But Aaron Judge goes to the school of injury. Uh he goes to the Derek Jeter school of managing the media. He doesn't say I have a, a tear in my toe ligament unless it's like a fairly serious tear he won't do a timeline Boone won't even guarantee he'll be back this year that's how much of a non-timeline they don't want to put on it I kind of feel like he's probably coming back in August maybe even mid-August but uh it's just it's not even the injury so much as it is the lies. it's just constantly inaccurate statements about what is going wrong and I'll be pleasantly surprised if he comes back in early August or at the end of July or, or what have you um everybody should be thinking long-term issue at this point uh, because we're watching. We're on year two of DJ LeMahieu with his toe problem. That was a fracture. He's now got mechanical issues. He has to sort out in the middle of the season. So I'm not, I'm not shocked if I don't see judge back to normal, normal until next year. And even then I'm still worried about it. I just wish I would have been told that three weeks ago when I was told, Oh, it's not a fracture. Oh, why was I so worried all day? It's just a sprain. Okay. Well, it's actually two and it's actually a tear. So great to find out three weeks afterward.
2: Yeah, it's just I don't know of any injuries that slowly progress into getting worse when you're not doing anything on the injury. So like that's how you know the Yankees are lying. Um, You don't discover a second sprain unless you didn't do conclusive testing the first time around. You don't discover a tear three weeks later unless you didn't do the proper testing the first time around. So, and then the fact that Aaron judge is delivering this news to the media, um, Brian Cashman's ass should be in front of the media, telling them detailing every single thing about this process, about what was missed about who made what mistake about what the timetable is like, this is not Aaron judge's responsibility. He shouldn't be, he shouldn't be facing the media every, I don't know why, maybe it's his choice. Maybe he's being a nice guy. I don't know. But, he shouldn't be answering questions about his injury this 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 often. He's the one who's delivered all of the bad news so far. Um, and that's, you know, maybe that's part of the PR plan. So the outrage isn't necessarily directly on management or whatever it is. And because no one's going to get mad at Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is trying to get better. Aaron Judge made a game-saving catch and suffered this injury that was never supposed to happen. Um, which is funny because I was just, there was an old highlight that popped up on Twitter today of Tony Gwynn hitting it inside the park home run at Dodger stadium in like 1997, like it's the anniversary of that. Look at the left field wall. It is literally all concrete. <laughs> it is a sl- it is concrete like this high. So I don't know what people like, I don't know how that was the reality for people back then, but absolutely insane either way. Um, yeah. Uh, embarrassing that I don't know another word for this and how we have to keep being fed this information and how the information is fed to adult journalists who are responsible for reporting the information to other people who rely on them for information so they can read and educate themselves. Um, But the Yankees are doing a disservice to everybody, including themselves with this. They're making themselves look bad and they're making people more stupid. So please let's stop doing this at some point, maybe this year, maybe this will be the time they finally learn.
1: Yeah, the left field wall at Dodger Stadium is just Roadrunner, like a painted door on a cement block. (laughs) Um, I mean, I also love the Twitter people who every time somebody reports on, like, we don't have a timetable for Judge, you know, the Yankees still being skittish, the replies that are like, did you guys follow up at all, though? Mm, (laughs) Yeah, they probably forgot. They probably didn't press anybody. Like, they probably were like, do you have a timetable for Judge? And uh, Boone was like, I don't know, we might. And then the reporters were like, eh, good enough for me. I'll put that you don't. Like, I, I think they're doing their jobs. I think it's probably the Yankees that are spinning this. Um, and if you want to spin things in your favor, recommend you join Caesars. Get your first bet on Caesars up to 1250 That's $1,250 on any sport if you're a new customer. You don't want to miss it. All you have to do is use our code YGYFULL at sign up. If you sign up with our code YGYFULL, F-U-L-L, right there on the bottom of the screen if you're watching along with us, And we thank you if you are. You will not only have your first bet insured, but you will also be directly supporting the podcast. So if you haven't signed up for Caesar Sportsbook, join with our code YGYFULL and drop your first bet. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for full terms of the offer.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.
1: More, um,
2: more embarrassing stuff
1: more embarrassing stuff here's here's the more uh, a heap a heaping pile of bullshit if you want to buy it uh aaron boone had his media availability delayed yesterday after not starting donaldson friday saturday and sunday um to uh he was a half good timing late. great timing yeah, but he forgot to do it. And then he's like, I should probably meet with Josh Donaldson. He's uh, a half hour late. Donaldson was caught running into Boone's office. was like, can't talk now, guys. Got to talk to the manager about something. And everyone's like, is he getting DFA'd? What's going on here? Um, and then Boone just emerged, was like, sorry about that. I just wanted to talk to Josh about some stuff, get some stuff sorted out. He's going to be a major player for us as the year goes on. Donaldson, after the game, did not want to talk about it. Um clearly didn't get DFA'd in the middle of the season. It's its own debate whether or not they actually want to DFA a second Yankee who's owed 20 plus million dollars. They already did it with Aaron Hicks. He has already dominated on the Baltimore Orioles. Josh Donaldson looked way worse than Aaron Hicks ever did, but there's still a chance of a bounce back. The exit velocities look good. So you can have the DFA debate. We can have the DFA debate. I'm actually not in favor of the DFA, but... Donaldson didn't want to talk about that meeting. I'm going to go ahead and guarantee it wasn't just about personal stories, as Josh Donaldson said it was. I'm also going to guarantee it wasn't about Aaron Boone saying, we got to stay the course, and we love you, and you're great. Something was going on there. Maybe Donaldson's agents called it. Maybe Boone called it. Donaldson not in the dugout during the game yesterday per Chris Kirscher, which is a whole other level of embarrassing, but indicates that he wasn't exactly happy with the message relayed. I am team Donaldson on the bench. I actually don't want to get rid of him and eat more dead money. And I understand that's kind of ridiculous, but the Yankees put Josh Donaldson on this team. They could take him off of it, but they're going to have to give him to somebody else in the process. I would much rather he sit on the bench this year and be rarely used to be buried. I don't want to cut another guy if I have to pay him anyway. I understand the counter. That said, I don't buy for one second Aaron Boone saying he's extremely important and crucial to this team. We're going to get him a lot of run. We're not gonna get him that much run. I don't think he's gonna be playing every day. But here here's the thing: if you are gonna keep him, you are gonna start him. Don't bat him fifth. My god. Just,
2: just stop doing that. Stop. Batted third at one point. Not batted second at one point. He has eight hits in 71 plate appearances. That is not nobody is that bad. Nobody he's has been hits. that bad.
1: What? Well, do you the the pirates? Uh the only comparable stat is Uh, I got to pull it up because the Pirates have like a four-man cluster who is uh, combined are like one for their last 110. I've never seen anything like that in my life. But other than that, there's nobody like Josh Donaldson. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Austin Hedges on June 14th homered in the top of the fourth inning and Rodolfo Castro singled in the sixth inning. That's June 14th. It's now June 26th. Since then, including yesterday's game, G1 Bay over 30, Jack Suwinski over 29, Castro 1 for 25, Hedges over for 17, 1 for 101, four guys on the Pirates. That's basically the Josh Donaldson dream at this moment.
2: <laughs> but and I think that's the point. I'm I'm saying there's nothing like there, there's nothing comparable to a player who is supposed to be of Donaldson's caliber doing this. Yeah. Four bad pirates players doing this. No <laughs> one would bat an eye. I bet most people hadn't even known that stat because nobody gives a shit because that's kind of what's expected in Pittsburgh. If you have this type of futility in New York, it is magnified in every manner possible. And then you run into situations like this where you're for some reason, not talking to Josh Donaldson about his spot in the lineup the night before, and you're going to do it pressed up against your presser in the morning before a series finale against the, the second best team in the American league, the best team in the American league, second best team are the best. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's the thing too. Like you're putting your team in a bad position because now all they're hearing is this nonsense. You're putting the fans off because all they're doing is, you know, looking at social media when they're at the game or before they're watching the game. And all they're seeing is this at one point you thought Donaldson was getting DFA because of Boone being late to the presser. Um, and then again, you have the situation where it's kind of impossible. What is Boone going to say to the media? Yeah. I talked to Josh. He's, um, we told him he's going to be a part-time player. Um, he said he didn't want to do that. Um, so now we have to consider DFAing him. Um, so what do you guys think we should do? Do you think he should take his, you know, take his role as a bench player or should we just cut him loose? I'm with you. I don't want to DFA another guy cause it's embarrassing. Um, especially a high money guy like this. Um, If you have to do it once per year, um, that's already bad. If you have to do that multiple times in a year, that means you failed horribly. I thought, if anything, they probably should have just waited out the Hicks situation to see which one of these two was going to be more insufferable for the remainder of this season. Because, in my opinion, Donaldson was just as bad as Hicks was last year. The only difference was that Hicks clearly didn't want to be here. So... I think it maybe made the decision a little bit easier. I, On the other hand, though, I don't care if he's DFA because he doesn't make this team better. Dig up the pods from earlier in the season in May when this team was dominating. You forgot Josh Donaldson existed. You didn't even remember that he was on the IL. Mm -hmm. And then a news update popped up that he cut his hand on an easy-bake oven, and you were like, oh, yeah, Josh Donaldson was here. When's he coming back? Hopefully not coming back at all. And then he comes back, and now it's all negative headlines surrounding this team, and that's why they can't afford to start him, and that's why I think the conversation was, look, you're bench for this series. You had an opportunity to not absolutely be as bad as you could possibly be on Thursday night, and that's exactly what you were. And now we have a three-game homestand. The house is going to be packed with near-sold-out crowds, and you are probably going to get booed relentlessly every time you do something incorrect or every time you just nearly walk out to – go to the uh, step up to the plate and we don't want that. So maybe he's a road player at this point. Maybe that's the direction it trends in. Maybe he's just the guy on the bench who can be a somewhat reliable defender. Um, but yeah, like pinch hitting him for Billy McKinney on Friday. If you want to crucify yeah, guess what? Sorry guys, we said Boone actually didn't really make that big of a difference. Um, but doing that is a negative difference. Billy McKinney's the literal hottest hitter on the team and you took him out of the game for a guy who cannot hit 90 mile an hour, middle, middle fastballs. Um, but yeah, it's the same thing here. It's poor play from a bad acquisition inability to admit that that acquisition was bad. Then playing these media games and press and putting your team in a bad position, pressing yourself up against deadlines that don't matter. You don't need to have a meeting with Josh Donaldson before the game starts. You say, Hey, Josh, your bench, if you want to talk about it, we'll talk about it at 5.00 PM when the game's over. Cool. Great. Um, but yeah, to do that right before the series finale, to then put Donaldson in an uncomfortable position because he had to dodge the media at one point. He wasn't present in the dugout reportedly towards the end of the game when they when they, the Yankees came back and won that. Um, and then you just continually have all these vibes completely thrown off. And the clubhouse is you know not in the right spot. And you don't want to do that heading into a stretch where, thankfully, the Yankees have the Yankees are facing a lot of not good teams over the last month. I don't know if you guys look at the schedule, but like if you want to be without Aaron Judge, if you want to have all these veteran players slumping, this is like if you want to call this ever a time to have that happen. This might be the best time for it to happen. And now you have the you have, you know, ownership coming out. Hal Steinbrenner making one comment that was viewed unfavorably. People are now pissed off. You have this Donaldson incident. Now more people are pissed off. How much more can you pile on when you're trying to just shrink something together? You have a very favorable schedule over the next month. You don't want anything else working against you in that favor. And that's what once again, they have done. We might be
1: Red Sox fans over the next couple of weeks though. I don't understand. Why can't the Yankees beat these bad teams? That's because they're not that good, but we'll see. We shall see going to Oakland this week. Yeah. Josh Donaldson. Not good. Looks great on the road. Dodger stadium His first game back. Maybe he is a road player. Maybe he is a Dodger stadium player. Maybe they should have played him in right field at Dodger stadium. So he could test out that concrete himself. That would have solved a lot of problems. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens with Donaldson over the next couple of weeks and how many more times he ends up in Aaron Boone's office. But Billy McKinney, I do want to give props to pinch hitting Josh Donaldson for Billy McKinney was insane. Uh, dumbest thing Boone's done this year. Whoever told him to do that should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, Aaron Hicks versus Billy McKinney. I think this is just uh, people aren't talking enough about. Uh, I I don't think this is a homer podcast. Somebody emailed me recently and said we I was being a homer and something. I, I hate this team all the time. <laughs> we're constantly talking about how much we hate them. I don't think that that's – I don't think it's possible to be a homer at this point. But an undeniable fact. The Yankees are getting shit for Aaron Hicks's resurgence with the Baltimore Orioles, and, and I know why, because he was unplayable here and is now hitting .292 with four homers, 11 ribs, 941 OPS in Baltimore. Numbers that are declining a little bit after he was completely unplayable in New York this year. 48 OPS plus with the Yankees, 161 with the Orioles. I know why you're laughing at us. It's not a mystery. I don't need to dive deep. Numbers in New York bad. Numbers in Baltimore good. Baltimore ahead of the Yankees in the playoff race. I get it. It's 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 all right there. But Billy McKinney is not with the Yankees if they don't DFA Aaron Hicks. Mm-hmm. Billy McKinney might have found his way to the Yankees this week after Willie Calhoun went down. Maybe. But Oswaldo Cabrera would probably just still be here struggling. I don't know if they will have pulled the plug there. And Oswald Peraza, everybody wants to see him. He's currently hurt. He's currently managing some sort of injury. So he probably wouldn't be here this week either. Billy McKinney is here because the Yankees DFA had Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks was a malcontent while he was here. He didn't want to be here. He mm-hmm. was not giving full effort. You cannot convince me he was giving full effort. He stared at a fair ball last year and let it roll around in the corner. He was not a left fielder. Now he's a center fielder. Something changed. It was partially the Orioles coaches making a hitting adjustment to his swing. It was partially him leaving New York where everybody hated him and he didn't want to be. Billy McKinney wants to be here in 53 at bats, he's been worth 0.8 B-War, four homers, 302 average, 157 OPS plus, which is again right up there with Hicks since joining the Orioles. Billy McKinney is objectively not here without Hicks's DFA. He is objectively the one shining light guiding the Yankees through this dark tunnel without Aaron Judge. And the most embarrassing part of the whole thing, of course, is that Stanton and DJ and Rizzo and Donaldson have all been awful and Billy McKinney and Bowers and Willie Calhoun when he was here have all been impressive. So if the Stars were just playing like Stars or even 80% like Stars, the Yankees would be good without Aaron Judge instead of being 2-10 and 10 when the opposition scores three or more runs without Aaron Judge. The second win was yesterday. Before that, they were 1-10. So just a little props to the Yankees for uncovering their best story of the month and of the year after getting rid of Aaron Hicks, two events that would not have happened uh, out of sequence. If Hicks were still here, McKinney would not be. Uh, so laugh all you want about him being on the Orioles, but the Yankees managed to replicate his production internally. and Hicks would not be doing this here,
2: correct. Um, so yeah, I think that that's probably you could be less mad about Hicks dominating with the Orioles because. We gave a bad player away, who's was going to, who's always going to perform better somewhere else. We all knew that was going to happen. We said it a million times. We said, it with Couldn't Gary it performed Sanchez. worse? Couldn't it perform yeah. worse? No, there was no way. He was a, the, he was, he was, be, he was beneath rock bottom here. We said it with Gary Sanchez two years ago. Just non-tender him. Doesn't matter if he kicks ass somewhere else. He's not going to do it here. Um, Billy McKinney has double the amount of hits Josh Donaldson has in sixteen fewer plate appearances." <laughs> Um, he has five fewer hits than Giancarlo Stanton in nearly half the games played. Mm. Um, and I know Anthony Rizzo has woken up a bit over the course of the last six games. Um, but since Billy McKinney's been with the Yankees, he's completely lapped Anthony Rizzo in just almost every category. So, um, yeah, there are props to be delivered for Billy McKinney. I don't like looking at these numbers and, saying all of that, because just imagine if one of those guys, and I don't even know the DJ Lemay who numbers this by, I, I can't even, can't even look at them anymore, but if He's got one a of those two, I think, but yeah, that's it. <laughs> if one of those guys was doing the, half the work McKinney was doing, or even like 70% of it, like we'd be in a really good spot right now. Unfortunately we're not. Um, so yeah. And then you have a guy like Bader who I know has taken a little bit of time to get right since coming off the IL, but he continually figures out ways to get big hits, and nobody else really does um, on a consistent basis. Harrison Bader is kind of always finding himself in the right spots, or, you know, just the guy who kind of understands the assignment, wants to be here, doesn't let the moment get bigger than him, um, which is more the mentality that New York requires, which is something that I don't know the top of this organization realizes. But that'll be a conversation for another time when Hal Steinbrenner hits the airwaves and says something you don't like. Um, So, yeah, we ended on a positive note. I like that. Billy McKinney, props, buddy.
1: I'm just still confused, too, by all the people who – how can you watch Harrison Bader this weekend and still do the, like, can't extend him, though, too hurt? I feel like everybody's valuation of him is way off because they're just used to – when the Yankees extend people, they're used to the Yankees spending, like, a $100 billion for eight years. Like, extending Harrison Bader is going to be, like, 13 – 12 or 13 million a year for, like, four years. Like, Mm that stock – because – Guess what? Everybody else knows that he also doesn't stay healthy all the time. So you're tying up half of Josh Donaldson's money on a better player who's younger, who provides you something you don't have otherwise and who loves being here. I don't I don't even think it's really a debate. If they if they just let him walk, you're going to look at the money and be like, oh, that's not really even worth being concerned about. Oh, oops. Sorry. I wasted time being nervous about stuff. When I could have just been excited, like I, that's. And if I'm wrong, I'll I'll own that one. But that one is like a, a no risk extension today.
2: Yeah, small money for somebody who, even if he's not there most of the time, it's cheap, and he's an all around baseball player who rises to the occasion. Um, so yeah, it's not really comparable to the other extensions or even the other trade acquisitions the Yankees have made. This would be a, this would be a smart one. And at worst, Harrison Bader, what you extend him for whatever. What would it be? We discussed maybe like $12 million a year, if that. Yeah, I saw somebody
1: throwing around four for 48 yesterday and saying yeah. that – like a, a fan of another team and saying like, yeah, that'd be worth it. Like I, that's how I feel. Like, Hicks oh, average 40 10. Days.
2: Like you'll take yeah. anything in that range for not Aaron Hicks. And Harrison Bader is 10 times the player Aaron Hicks is, in my opinion. I think in most people's opinions. At least in New York he is. So you'd pay that – type of money for somebody who maybe he's available for 120 games a year. But, you know, when you're getting him for those 120 games, it's it's big-time performances. It's energizing the bench. It's reinvigorating the clubhouse. So none of these decisions are going to be perfect, especially when you're dealing with the Yankees because they – they constantly you know they are trading off one thing for another whether whether it's player performance because of a money issue or whether it's because they spent too much here and they have to they have to uh they have to get lower acquisition costs over there it's it's there there's always there's always some sort of give and take but for someone like Bader i don't know why anyone would even be complaining about him staying here long term especially when there's no outfield there's no outfield no and you miss him when you don't have him, like in the same way. Imagine if they had
1: not signed Aaron Judge this offseason and the goal was like, yeah, we're just going to enter next season with with different guys, and then it would look like this. It would be Billy McKinney and Jake Bowers and Harrison Bader, and the whole world would be like <laughs> nine years of this, nine years of this. Um, now uh, Harrison Bader should be Yankee for a while. I, I think that's easy. And also you're not allowed to be wrong. Like if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, I actually sure. thought the Aaron Hicks extension was – not like I wasn't like on my rooftop popping off fireworks but when the Yankees extended Aaron Hicks I was like fine that'll be fine and then it wasn't (laughs) and then now I'm allowed to be like all right it was bad it was really bad seven years is too many years um he tore his wrist sheath I didn't know that was gonna happen he decided he didn't want to play in New York anymore I didn't know that was gonna happen right and I wasn't like you know I didn't have a sign on my door that said Aaron Hicks extension like uh you know please you know I don't know pay me drop candy and bucket trick-or-treat for Aaron Hicks extension, but I thought it was okay. And it wasn't. So sue me. It is what it is. Um, also Clark Schmidt. Um, yep. Just props to Clark yep. Schmidt. Again, the, the lefty numbers, the overall numbers, the whip is still over 1.4. Um, so it's not like we're all the way there yet, but the FIP is starting to line up with the real stuff. 1.970. ERA right, in his last six starts, mm. that includes the Red Sox a couple times. That includes a hard hit in Texas Rangers uh, Very good. Uh, unfortunately, the Yankees, a grand total of zero wins in those last six starts. He's the first pitcher, per Katie Sharp, in Yankees history to have a six-start span, minimum of 20 innings pitched, excluding openers, with a sub-2 ERA where the team lost all six games. And Katie Sharp does great work, and I'm glad that she clarified that. I don't think I needed Katie sharp in this instance to tell me that had never happened before with the Yankees considering it's impossible for that to happen. But uh, yeah, Clark Schmidt, uh, unfortunately his extremely effective streak again, an era under two in his last six and the FIP being lowered to just above four has coincided with the offense being beyond putrid and he can't even get the lucky break. The Luis Severino one, nothing game. He can't, can't get one of those can't win one of those guys. So shout out to Clark. For continuing to turn the corner we said it was time to pull the plug in the experiment i thought it was again can't be wrong i thought i, I did not want to see any more clark schmidt after april with the 643 no. era and the 6 the 680 era and the 6543 fip uh but he's proved us wrong he is figuring it out to a certain extent uh, and i think the cutter that was supposed to save him ruined his other pitch grips uh, and and the more he is now deemphasizing that cutter, the better he has looked. So is he a starter long term? Uh, I don't know how you move him back to the bullpen after this. They're gonna have to do something. Uh, well, don't don't
2: you worry because not everybody's gonna be healthy.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I I'm enjoying Carlos Rodon's yeah uh, time in the minor leagues. I'm enjoying it quite a bit, Come on, Carlos. But I'm not counting my chickens before they hatch. And, and Nestor Cortez still barely throwing so it's, it's going to be a while before we see him too and when he gets back I mean we saw Severino last year or the Yankees were just like here's a calendar you're not coming back Nestor Cortez threw a ton of innings last year you really think the Yankees aren't going to do that with him too hey Nestor why don't you come into this office we scheduled some availability between you and Aaron Boone for three minutes before Aaron Boone's supposed to do a public press conference so that he can explain a calendar to you this should take only an hour or so um I I see that coming in his future
2: <laughs> it'd be a great way to handle it, and it'd be consistent at the very least. But yep, I like the way Clark is trending. It's a good story. It's it, like you said, six point eight four ERA heading into May, four point three two. Now he's lowered everything significantly. He, what it is the deemphasized cutter? I haven't done any research. That's what it's been.
1: I, I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but it, earlier in the season when he finally abandoned it, things did start trending. Uh, trending up a little bit um again the the lefty i would love to break down the lefty stuff month by month but it's it's still overall pretty bad on the uh, on the whole but uh you know
2: uh we love it we love success
1: what a weird schedule
2: i'm looking at the schedule now too what is this at oakland at st louis back home against baltimore home against the cubs and then back on the west coast after the all-star break
1: Yeah, three short West Coast trips this year, but one of them is Oakland to St. Louis, which is not a West Coast trip. I don't know how Oakland showed up here at all.
2: No, I don't know, but yep. You get uh, three games against the A's, which, I mean, please, please. And then the Cardinals are the most disappointing team in baseball, and you got Severino and Cole right now lined up for those two games in St. Louis. Um and then you have an opportunity to uh, gain some ground in the division with a four-game set against Baltimore. Um, no off day in between. This is the first – this is when the Yankees are back to playing on Monday, folks, on Monday, July yeah. 3rd. So be ready for it. Um, but, yeah, you have Herman uh, Schmidt, Severino, and Cole for that series. Could be worse, like we said. It could be, could be the Mets. Herman might not be around at that point.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Yankees are just bleeding people dry at this point. Herman was their best pitcher last month, and this month he looks like a, a JV guy. Mm-hmm. And they're going to find something wrong with that fella at some point. You'd have to think, but hopefully Carlos Rodon is back. Theoretically, it seems Please. like he might be for that Baltimore Orioles home series. He pitched four more great innings at double a over the weekend. Would love to see him. Would love to see Ian Hamilton who got on the plane heading West Mm -hmm. yesterday, but has not been activated because the Yankees don't play Mondays. Things are trending in a positive direction. Eh, I don't know. But again, nice to take a series from the Texas Rangers. Nice to see Clark Schmidt rounding in form. Nice to see Billy McKinney and nice to see the Yankees eight games over 500 when they have no business being there that is it for this edition of the podcast we will be right back at you on thursday right back to two shows per week uh no more of that one show per week bs just kidding next week is july 4th holiday we're probably gonna have to mess around with like one show next week uh we'll, we'll do what we can uh until then you can find us on all podcast platforms apple spotify google the good ones the bad ones we're on the bad ones too but we hope you rate and review the podcast like and subscribe to the feed on youtube getting bigger every day uh I guess I don't know like a, I don't know. Growing like a weed. Um, Thomas (laughs) Carinante. I'm Adam Weiner. I don't know why I just introduced myself to you again. I'm jet lagged folks. (laughs) That's my name. Uh, And Thomas knows it. You guys hopefully know it too. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. But Thomas Carinante, you're here as well. Where can the people find
2: you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. We are both at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account. It's at Yanks Go Yard FS. Let's hear it from you. We want it. We want more. Head on over to yanksgoyard.com. We got all the content there for you. A lot of good stuff. A lot of you guys reading. We're having a good time with the Donaldson things, looking ahead towards the trade deadline, parsing through some rumors that are popping up here and there. Um, So we're going to see what happens, but we're going to have all the info for you ready and uh, uh, armed, published right when it comes out. Um, So please keep on commenting, keep on engaging. Uh, We're having a great time with you guys. And until then, we'll talk to you again on Thursday. With hopefully some good news after this athletic series. That's a day game on Thursday, right? Three thirty.
1: Yeah, three thirty. We'll be live right around then. Hopefully, sure. we'll, we're talking about some victories in the preceding games. Uh, that'd be nice. Uh, Futures game rosters get announced tonight. Will Jason Dominguez make his third straight? Because he's box office, or mm. he's going to be like, "Well, oh, that's kind of weird." Let's maybe not. Uh, relegate him to the Futures game every year. We love to get him into the real All-Star game. Uh, I don't know who makes it from the existing Probably Spencer Jones, you'd think. Uh, maybe a little Trey Sweeney action. Mm. I don't know. Maybe Juan it has been dominating. I don't know. Stay tuned. We'll talk about it on a Thursday. Bye for now, everybody.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.